Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Putin, you think he's a killer? Mm-hmm. I do. Evidently, Putin wasn't thrilled with Biden's killer comments because last night, Russia recalled its ambassador to the United States. What? Why? What are they upset about? Putin is famous for being a killer. It's kind of his thing, along with horses and nipples. <laughs> he's killed so many people that in 2017, the Washington Post was able to publish a list of 10 critics of Vladimir Putin who died violently or in suspicious ways. His greatest hits are hits. Not a joke. Yeah, so uh, Biden in an interview with George Stephanopoulos the other day said that. He said, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Putin is a killer. He is absolutely a killer. And Putin was that the same s- interview with the uh, he has no soul claim? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Putin was going to stand for that. No. Although, as you pointed out, uh, Putin likes to be called a killer. Oh, yeah. His power depends on being thought of as a killer. Oh, yeah. So which uh, which do you want to hear these first? As we go Alexei through? Navalny thinks he's a killer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's a killer. There's no doubt about it. I don't know. I got the list too far away from me. My eyes are getting worse. So how did uh, we do it last time there, Sean? We got a uh, number 44, okay, uh, a here. crowd favorite. Everybody's been asking for it. A Kremlin oh, yeah. spokesman said there hasn't been anything like this in history as the Russian president analyzed the comments. I remember when we were young and would bicker out in the yard. We would say, I'm rubber and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. We always see our own qualities in other people and assume that they are just like us. Putin accused the U.S. of past genocide, slavery, and referenced Black Lives Matter, themes that Russian bots use online to divide Americans. The man with his finger on the button of the second biggest nuclear arsenal on the planet said, I'm rubber and you're glue. Everything you say bounces off me and sticks to you. I'm rubber and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. <laughs> so is your mother. Well, ollie ollie oxen free. So there. What? No takesies backsies. What? What? What the heck? And he, but, and he he had that usual Putin smile on his face of, I'm a, I'm a smart aleck, and I know I'm a smart aleck, and what are you going to do about I'm it? I'm rubber and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. But I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. Yeah, huh? I will win argument or poison you. So either way, <laughs> he's good. And then I'll wrestle a bear with my nipples showing. Yes, yes. Putting them at risk. You know, nipples enrage bears, Jack. Keep them hidden if you're in bear country. Well, now you took the uh, the quote in clip number 41 very seriously. Um, you took this as a threat. I'm not sure I did, but folks, you be the judge. Is this a threat to old man Biden? A war of words erupted just hours after President Biden vowed that Vladimir Putin would pay a price for attempting to undermine the 2020 U.S. election and agreed that the Russian president is a killer. Regarding my American colleague's statement, as he said, we know each other personally. What I would answer him, I would tell him stay healthy. I wish him good health. I say this without irony. 
Yeah, don't fall out any windows or uh, <laughs> get a water bottle that's tainted or anything like that. Why do you say I say this without any irony? Because that's an incredibly ironic thing to say. You snuff your opponents. <laughs> I don't know. And it's possible it's one of those Russian words that doesn't translate quite correctly. and Because uh, that doesn't quite make sense to me either. Um. Right, right. Well, he gave him a live long and prosper. But I would tell him stay healthy. I wish him good health. I say this without irony. Isn't that a mobster coming and saying, "Yeah, I hope you I hope you stay healthy. Hope your wife's good. Hope your kids are healthy." Isn't that just a threat? It could be. I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, but then Putin later said, "I've just thought of this now." He told a reporter yesterday, "I want to invite President Biden to continue our discussion, but on the condition that we do it actually live, but with no delays, directly in an open, direct discussion." And so I, I think I Vlad thinks he can best Biden one on one. He thinks Biden's old and senile. Yeah, I didn't catch that, but I think that's clearly what's going on. I thought it was just the typical, um, you know, I want to be seen as an equal on the world stage thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's a, <laughs> you don't have the mental capability of, of doing anything live because, and it's because of the press conference thing. When Molly Hemingway the other day, the Federalist, when they said it's now a national security issue, Biden's press conferences, so maybe they should put him off. Putting him off is a national security issue. You have enemies of the United States, world leaders thinking our president is, uh, hasn't got his act together mentally. And yeah. they might be right. Yeah, yeah. The the other thing that I'm sure Putin wanted to accomplish is he can get into what about is the way the Chinese diplomats were doing, yep. calling you out saying, "Oh, your cops kill black people. Uh, your your white people are hunting down Asian people in the street. The U.S. is a terrible country too. Bringing us down is reward enough for them. And they don't have to bring themselves up. And you got all our biggest media helping along with that. So good job." Nice job. That's enough of this. Now that. Transition music, please. So I don't know much about the New York Mets. General manager is a big position, though, right, in a Major League Baseball team? That's oh, yeah. huge. Oh, yeah. It's it's enormous, yeah. And they actually fired him. The, the fortunes of a team rise and fall with their GM, no doubt. Who did he send pictures to? That usually matters. A, a, a reporter. A woman reporter. Oh, my God. Did she want them, or did he send them no. unsolicited? See, he sent her dozens or a dozen texts saying, hey, we should get together. We should go out. And, and, and increasingly suggestive culminating in a picture of his uh, his flag at full staff. Okay, here I have this story. The woman, a foreign correspondent described by ESPN, who moved to the United States to cover baseball, said at one point the general manager had sent her more than 60 consecutive texts. There you go. Yeah. That's a little stalkery, scary. Any, be, any woman would be frightened by that. Got to be from uh, Japan or Korea, right? No other, be interested in baseball? No other foreign countries give a damn yeah. about American baseball. Seven of which were photos, even though she was not... Ah, good point. 60 consecutive texts, seven of them photos, and she didn't respond to any of them. So you send you send a woman you've met a text, no response. Oh, I'll send another one. Maybe she missed that one or All whatever. Right, 58 more. Maybe 58 you go, more. <laughs> maybe, maybe you go to your trusted friend and you say, Sean, I just this gal, this reporter, I feel like we should be together. She's beautiful. She's charming. But she keeps ignoring my text. Do you have any suggestions? Well, hmm. Have you tried sending your junk? <laughs> Have you tried sending a picture of your fully aroused wang? No, I haven't. If only she knew of that. Thanks, buddy. 
Uh, clearly, then it's just romance. Ahead. And, and I'd like to sit Anthony Weiner down. This guy, and, and he's been canned from one of the. He's, he was going to be a general manager of a New York baseball team, culmination of his life's dreams. Do they think you know? I wonder if she doesn't realize I have a penis. <laughs> I have never been in a situation where I'm confused about whether or not a specific woman does or does not want to see it. It always seems perfectly clear. Right. Right. Which ones are interested? Even before you get to the junk pics, just the texting that much, I, I missed out on the whole um, uh, texting being part of dating thing mostly. I just barely caught the tail end of it before I got, you know, uh, married and everything. Um, but it seemed to me so handy in that you, you didn't even have to have contact. You could text somebody, they text you, no response. You know, okay, there's no interest there. You're Dang. done. Yep. You you send out a little feeler. Well, that was quite a meeting we were at the uh huh. That was something. They 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 don't respond, no interest. They respond pleasantly with an opening. Okay, there you go. Exactly. It's so it's so great. It's it's it seemed to me like an advancement, especially for women, because you always have the power dynamic thing going on, just from a physical standpoint. You can you can make it very clear. No interest in like casual chat with you, right? Maybe send one more in case she got busy and forgot, and after that you're through here. Or fifty eight more, including right. pictures. Right, exactly. That makes you yeah. a crazy person. It, it, it's no an wonder you got odd, fired. Again, that's why I would like to talk to these people, not to condemn them, but to understand them. It's like my daughter has a, a job interview, a virtual job interview today, and I'm oh, I'm rooting for her so hard. Oh my god. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's as if I go in for a job interview and it, and I have the thought. I should probably show this guy I can best him in a fight. <laughs> I mean, it's where does that thought come from? I, you know what I think would get her is if I showed her my erect genitalia. You know, I mean, how, what? You know, I, what? Well, for normal people, it's especially crazy. I think for the pro athlete type, I assume he was a pro baseball player. Is, is that true? I not? do not know that. I don't know that. Either. Often those guys are That's just true. numbers guys. That's true. Executive Ath saber metrics, etc. Athletes, musicians, that sort of stuff. I think they're so used to. It's kind of like the the Donald Trump, uh, you know, famous P tape that came out. A certain a certain kind of guy, whether you're a billionaire or a pro sports player, you're so used to getting your way. I think you kind of get out of whack, yeah, as to what's normal and what's yeah. not. Well, he's back in whack now. For those of us he's that are canned. for those of us that are normal, sending sixty texts to someone. So they met on the inter on an uh, ele elevator briefly, exchanged business cards. She probably introduced stuff. Oh, okay, cool, business cards. Then he texts her sixty times in a day. Well, there's no way she was hot, she'd, I'm assuming. There's no way they'd exchange cards unless she was interested in him. He's a baseball executive. She's a baseball reporter. Besides, Wait a minute. Once she sees <laughs> this. Yeah. Oh, boy. Can you see my privates? Can you? Can you? Yeah. Can you see my? Right. That was his theory. Oh, we didn't even get to Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, V candle. Oh, no, see, that's, in the that, news. no, 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 no. Too no. much? That is too much. Too much? <laughs> Absolutely well, too much. But it's equal rights. Maybe for we your podcast. We spent like 10 minutes on this guy's <laughs> junk and the ladies get nothing. <laughs> Sexist. Misogynist. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Do you know who Jimmy Lai of China is? Lai or Lei? I think it's Lai. I remember when he was featured on 60 Minutes and we talked about it uh, back when Hong Kong had its protests going on and we all thought they had a chance of stopping China from taking them over, which they have. Silly. Silly us. And here he was, an elderly man who had started with nothing and uh, become a gazillionaire there in Hong Kong 
He's Mar- a big-time publisher. Right, and marching mm-hmm. with the protesters, you know, in as a true, true patriot, knowing he's putting his life on the line. He's now mm-hmm. in prison, by the way, um, which factors into this story from the New York Post that I came across that I thought was so good. Is your iPhone worth China's tyranny? This is from a guy named Claude Prestowitz. It might be worth pointing out who that is. He served as a senior trade official and economic advisor in the Obama, Clinton, and Reagan administrations. Wow. So that crosses some uh, real ground. Man of the world. And he he wrote a book called The World Turned Upside Down, America, China, and the Struggle for Global Global Leadership. So he's really into the story that I'm really into of the battle between the United States and China for who's going to rule the world. Is your iPhone worth China's tyranny? To understand the trouble relationship between America and communist China, it helps to tell the story of two apples. The first story began on a fishing boat where a 12-year-old boy named Jimmy Lai hid as a stowaway to reach Hong Kong from China in 1951. Beginning as a child laborer, earning $8 a month, Lai became fluent in English, founded a garment empire, then established a publishing giant that includes Hong Kong's largest independent newspaper, The Apple. A staunch defender of free speech and democracy, Lai is now in jail, facing a likely life sentence on trumped-up charges. He's probably going to die in a Chinese prison because he protested with those Hong Kongers, Mm -hmm. uh, as we saw in 60 Minutes last year. The second Apple is the company that probably manufactured the smartphone, Tim Cook, the tech giant's current CEO that you're using, and the tech giant's current CEO was born in Alabama in 1960. After earning a master's degree in business from Duke, he joined Apple as vice president for worldwide operations in 98, quickly began planning to shift the company's production operations to Guangzhou, I believe is how you pronounce it. That's Jimmy Lai's birthplace. So Apple, the Apple, the phone, moved to the birthplace of the guy who created Apple, the publishing company in Hong Kong. And, And fled that part of the world, it's worth noting. As a stowaway. Right. Uh, to get away from the uh, the horrors. As a result, Apple, the phone company, shed labor unions, U.S. wages, and strict environmental and safety regulations while winning investment subsidies from China. In the bargain, Tim Cook became one of the world's richest men, wielding enormous political influence. Yet the American Apple's entanglement with China would soon work to the detriment of the other pro-democracy Apple. In fall of 2019, massive demonstrations broke out in Hong Kong in support of rule of law and against the extradition of citizens to mainland China. Apple newspaper owner Lai, Jimmy Lai, was among the demonstrators, as we just talked about. Apple, the U.S. tech giant, had an app in its store that helped dissidents by showing where they and the police were in real time so they could keep an eye on the police. They were using their Apple phones to figure out when the police were about to crack down on them. This drove the communist bosses in Beijing crazy. They called on obedient mainland news publications to call for the app's deletion from the Apple store. Cook's Apple got the message, and they did just that. Worse, Cook's firm said it had done so voluntarily, when everyone knew that, with all its production capacity located in China, Apple was scared of what would happen if it didn't comply. The world learned how much of a hostage Apple Corp. really is to the Chinese Communist Party. Wow. Cook and his Apple loudly tout liberal values and minority rights in the West, but when it comes to China's imprisonment of a million Uyghurs in concentration camps, the repression of Tibet, the killing of Hong Kong's free society, and the stifling of international probes into the origins of the uh, novel coronavirus, Cook's Apple keeps curiously mum. The silence is damning, and it mirrors the corrupt bargain the West has struck with the Chinese Communist Party 
which is open about its hostility to our values. The two apples. Boy, I love that contrast. I wish more people, especially on the left, would become aware of that. Well, I'm an Apple stockholder. I I love my Apple products, but uh, I think they're going to end up in a position at some point where they're going to have to pick one or the other. Could be a ways down the road. Well, and who knows which one they'll pick, Jack. You know, I could cite examples through history where American companies were siding with the bad guys until the very last second when they had to break away. Maybe I'm overly optimistic. I feel like public pressure has grown so fast and is going to continue screaming that that direction that it won't be long and you cannot be the NBA saying nice things about China. You cannot be Apple and, uh, you know, uh, dance to their tune. I, I hope. There was a great piece on Outkick.com the other day. Star NBA players cash checks from Chinese sneaker companies proudly using slave labor. So our great moral exemplars in the NBA are cashing checks from people who have slaves right now as they lecture us on systemic racism in the United States. You know, we love China. Yeah, as we talked about last week, I have I, I I get confused by that. I have troubles with that. I I don't mind holding us to higher standards than China. It's when they it's when they uh it's when they cover up um China's transgressions that I have a problem. As you saw with the NBA, you know, LeBron James said at one point that you know there's a lot of uninformed people about China and that sort of thing. That 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 I'm not cool with at all. But I don't mind holding us to a higher standard than China. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Uh, I'm going to read you a, a, a question, an email, real quickly, and then uh, then we will discuss. Uh, Long time loyal listener Wendy here. I was so disappointed in what Jack said. He's okay with Washington State firing people because they don't get the vaccine. What happened to liberty? What happened to limiting the government, telling people what to put in their bodies, what to do with their personal health? I love you guys. I will continue to listen because you guys are great. But, oh, my my adopted sons have gone off the rails. That's interesting, you know. Thank you, Wendy. The greatest defender of liberty I know in my life is National Treasure Tim Sandifer. Mm-hmm. And he is somebody that has been making the argument that, look, you can go back to George Washington, where the government mandated things because of various uh, disease outbreaks. Right. Let me let me put it to you like this, Wendy. Um, and, and Jack shares this with me, a deep and abiding mistrust of the government, of uh, the bureaucracies, of the various talking heads. We have a bitter distrust of granting temporary emergency powers because they'll almost always become permanent plus their address rehearsal for implementing them again and again and again we could not be more suspicious of uh, you know granting any additional power to the government ever on the other hand and and there are quite a few of you that have hit us with emails or sent along links to articles and and about the fascists and the, the nazis trying to get you to do this blah 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 the one thing that your arguments don't address is the content, concept of an ex- externality I'm a hardcore property rights guy, but I can't set a tire fire 
on my front lawn and render the rest of my neighborhood uninhabitable. I can't. Oh, I got to I got to run home real quick. <laughs> you know, I can't uh start uh, some uh, you know, I'm I'm doing uh, I have a friend in this business. I'm going to start doing metal coating of equipment and I'm just going to let the toxic waste run into the sewers. That's an externality. And the thing and, and I'm not trying to talk you into agreeing. I'm just saying the one thing that the reason we are ambivalent about the topic that you're 100% certain about is that you are putting out virus if you have the virus. You're smoking when you walk into a room, not like a tire fire, but you are putting out virus. And so, I mean, for instance, there are all sorts of references. This is my body. This is my personal health. You're creating an externality. That's where it gets a little more complicated than most of some of you are putting it. Yeah, I think it's like the difference between drunk driving or helmet and seatbelt laws. I hate helmet and seatbelt laws. Hate them, hate them, hate them, hate them. Couldn't hate them more. I get angry every time I have to put on my helmet because the government makes me. I might wear one on my own, but the fact that they make me pisses me off. On the other hand, drunk driver who might kill me, that absolutely should be against the law. If you have the worst... Epidemic in a hundred years, and you want kids to go to school, and there's a vaccine to deal with the disease. I don't know. I just can't see the argument against making the teachers get the vaccine. Fair enough. If you'd like to craft one, email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Or uh, text us, 415-295-KFTC. And, hey, sometimes we change our minds around here. I realize in talk radio, you're supposed to be 100% certain all the time, and, and, and anybody who disagrees with you in the slightest way, you're stupid. But, you know, these are complicated issues, no, had, and, and they're tough. Had Mike Slater on, what, about a week ago? From uh, Love Mike. AM 760 in, uh, in San Diego. He's one of the smartest people I've ever known, I've ever come across. And he's super anti-getting a vaccine. So different points of view. And he's still our friend. Oh, oh, my. Okay. So uh, back to the horror. Oh, no. You want to get back to that now? Okay. Uh, well, we could. I don't know. I'm asking. We're going to end up there soon enough. I saw that uh, a judge overruled the governor of Texas and said you can't outlaw mask mandates in schools. Is that correct? Ah, uh, that may be. I uh, am that's really, right, in Texas. I'm really tired of the way, I guess this is the way the justice system has always worked, and it's just more uh, displayed more now, so we're more aware of the fact that it's happening. But these various... Blanket rules from presidents or governors, and then a judge steps in and changes the direction for a week or two, and then a panel of three judges steps in and turns it back the other direction. I, I guess that's the best system you can come up with, but it's uh, not handy. Well, what's different, and, and we all know this, is there's just been an explosion in executive orders. And during this health emergency, um, the, the powers that are granted during an emergency lead to more heavy-handed executive actions. Yeah. So I think that's a really interesting one from a liberty-loving government standpoint of whether or not you want the governor to make it against the law for any school in your entire giant state that takes two days to drive across and has all kinds of different situations. Uh, with you know different populations, different level of COVID, all these different things, you want the governor centrally to decide. The school can't do that, as opposed to having local, more local control with the school board informed by local 
parents on whether or not they think it's a good idea to wear masks at their school. Yeah, yeah. The health authorities have been so wrong and so heavy-handed and so dishonest. Um, time after time, people's distrust of them has turned into something close to hatred. And so I, I get it. I get why uh, why they want to say no freaking state health idiot can force my kid into a mask. Um, I get that. I'm not sure it's a healthy way to deal with a complex and changing situation. Of course, nothing's stopping you from wearing a mask. Nobody can stop you from wearing a mask. Right. How yeah. much, but if you're in a room full of people unmasked and you're wearing a mask, how much good that does you, I have no idea. And neither does anybody else, really. I don't, as far as I can tell. Well, yeah, read three different studies, get three different results. I was actually Googling last night. I wish I could talk more about all these different situations. I just got a bunch of different situations going on, uh, like like other people do. My, my, my life is not particularly unique from anybody else, but I do have a confluence of major life things that are happening at the same time. And I was actually Googling the other uh, last night, what does it feel like when you're about to snap? And I went through oh. a whole bunch of different, uh, different uh, articles and stuff like that. And not snap like, I don't think I'm going to snap like it in an angry way. I'm, I'm worried about doing, uh, we had a co-worker who ended up just staring out the window one time. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't be reached, couldn't be talked to, he, just stared. He locked up and stared out the window and he got taken off uh, in an ambulance like that. I'm thinking something like that or I just fail to turn toward my house when I'm heading home one day and drive until I get to Canada or something like that, you know. Um, I don't know what that's uh, what that feels like. I feel like I'm close to one of those things. And, oh boy! And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you see it coming. Or what do they call that? A, a, a psychic break? Psychic or? break? Yeah. Yeah. It can happen a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, but man, I did 24 hours at the well. 24 hours at the emergency room will make you insane anyway. Um, I don't know how emergency room people do it, although they do develop a certain. Um, hardness from being in that environment all the time that you notice when you're there. And I, and, 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 and you might think as a uh, customer of the emergency room, Hey, I get why you're like this, but I'm not here all the time. So, right. uh, and this is my like one time every five years at the emergency room. So, uh, I'm not used to your, your level of, uh, indifference. Well, that's not yeah. the right word. Um, you know, if I, I got to believe this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I That would be a, a very difficult job. That being a cop, being a, a emergency room, all kinds, there's all kinds of jobs like that. It would be, be very difficult to continue to have the compassion for every individual situation. In fact, it probably would be impossible to do for very long. Yeah, it'd be unhealthy. I don't think your psyche as the uh, <clears throat> emergency room person could, could survive terribly long. Although you have to remember the humanity of the people you're dealing with. Um, and if you can't, you're probably not cut out for that work. But that's easy for me to say. I don't do it. Yeah. So Brandeis University got a lot of attention a couple of years ago when they put out their list of uh, words and phrases that professors couldn't use, and we made fun of it, and everybody made fun of it. And you would have thought that they'd have felt maybe chagrined enough that they wouldn't have continued down that path, but they have. That would require self-awareness. And uh, they apparently think they're on the right side of history, so they've got their new expanded list of uh, words to avoid at this ultra-woke college. Warning against joking about, for instance, obsessive-compulsive disorder, unless you've actually been diagnosed with it. More than a dozen words and phrases have been added to Brandeis University's 
widely mocked compendium of violent and identity-based terminology ahead of the new fall semester. The elite Massachusetts uh, school compiled the list and says that what may be offensive to an outsider to say might be acceptably used by a member of that group. Okay. For instance, I'm so OCD. People say that. Uh, you're not allowed to say that. Unless you have obsessive compulsive disorder, you should not say, it. I'm so OCD. The park, that's the Prevention Advocacy and Resource Center at the college, because you got to have one of those, says that if you uh, want to say something like that, you should say, I'm very organized and detail-oriented. You shouldn't say, I'm, I'm so OCD. For instance. My um, hiney is already tired by this. The stupidity the lack of wisdom the up their own buttedness of it speaking of being already up, speaking of being up their own butt they changed the name of their own list from the oppressive language list to the suggested language list because the word oppressive might uh be a trigger for <laughs> oppressed people so their own list they changed the name of wow they're like Let's see, they're bent over, up their own butt, then like all the way around, <laughs> and then up it again. <laughs> it's uh, like a painting by M.C. Escher. New additions include whipped into shape, which they said can invoke imagery of enslavement and torture. All right. Instead, students and staffers, it costs $76,000 a year to go there, by the way. <laughs> $76,000 a year for this. Uh, you should. Blah, 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 blah. You're supposed to use terms like organize, spruce up, and put in order instead of whipped into shape. Um, some of these are kind of funny. There's more than one way to skin a cat. They say. Now, I don't think there's any damage in saying that, but that is a weird expression <laughs> that we regularly throw around. Yeah. Like, like you're like anybody's ever skinning cats. <laughs> like cat skinning is everybody does it. You know, <laughs> uh, people are constantly arguing about the best way. <laughs> Killing two birds with one stone and beating a dead horse are all phrases that normalize violence against animals and should no longer be used at the university. For instance, feeding two birds with one steed, with one seed, or taking care of two things at once. The stupidity is astounding. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty Show. Let's talk about uh, the the recall election in the most populous state in the Union, California, and all sorts of stuff with Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Lon He, how are you? Hey, great to be back with you guys again. You should have run for governor, man. You should have run for governor. <laughs> it's a free for all. Nobody's really po poking out. I mean, somebody's going to get somebody's going to end up governor of this state with like 18 percent of the vote. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting, you know, because it is such a compressed time frame. I was thinking to myself, you know, in a lot of countries, this is how they do elections. They give you like 30 days or 60 days and that's it. And, you know, in America, we have these big, long elections. We talked about this before, right, where we take years and years to figure out who the president's going to be. And here we have in California, which is, as you guys say, I mean, the biggest state in the country, we very well could have a, a new governor within less than a month. And this whole process, the actual process of this election will have been fought over, you know, basically five weeks. And it's it's kind of crazy to think about. But 
one of the things I do think is absolutely clear as we go on in this cycle is how frustrated people are with what's going on in California. I think there is a real and palpable frustration. This is not some made-up recall. This is not some made-up election. People are genuinely concerned about the future of our state, and I think we're seeing that now. You know, I had uh, an interesting phone call yesterday from a friend who is part of a uh, a certain bureau in Washington, D.C., who said, I'm trying to... I'm trying to convince some uh, my boss that it's worth us really taking a look at the California recall. Um, and we had a conversation. I told him, um, I think it's absolutely possible to look at it as perhaps the crest of the blue wave on the West Coast as people see the chaos uh, Democrat, 100% Democrat rule has unleashed. Do you think there's any validity to that? Absolutely. And I think that is one of the reasons why a lot of Democrats around the country are are deeply concerned about what they see in California because they realize that, you know, in some ways the jig is up, whether it's in California. I mean, New York's a whole different set of problems. But in California and Illinois and states where, where we have seen prolonged periods of one party rule, uh, you know, it, it results in uh, it's something I call policy sclerosis. Right. You sort of have the same kinds of ideas and the same kind of stuff gets tried over and over again, even if it's not working well. And uh, and I absolutely think that people on the East Coast, people around the country should pay attention. I think the angle that you've presented is absolutely right, which is that there is a great uh, and, and, and deep sense that you can't keep doing the same things, getting poor results and doing them over and over again. I think people in California are recognizing that. Lonnie Chen, David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Lonnie, thanks for the time. Uh, good to talk to you. Hey, have a great day, guys. So this came out over the weekend. Kind of interesting. This woman who had an affair with JFK way back in the day has finally decided to come forward after all these years. Huh. She's in that doesn't give a damn anymore part of her life, probably. For 63 years, she kept her madly in love affair with John F. Kennedy a buried secret. Now she's an 83-year-old grandmother, legally blind. She's at the end of her life, and she just wants to let people know, I guess. So uh, JFK was a 40-year-old senator in 1958. She was a 20-year-old. He spots her at a fundraiser thing, thinks she's hot, and goes and sits down at her table, starts hitting on her. Anyway, they start a four-year affair in which she's madly in love with him. He claimed to be in love with her. Yeah, well. And uh, 40 and 20. And um, as a senator, I mean, so you're super rich senator, then president. This continues into the White House. No oh boy. And uh, and then at some point, he just he basically ghosted her, to use a modern term, when uh, he moved on to someone else or was afraid he'd get caught or whatever. Just, no, just I think any look at that period of his life, she was probably one of quite oh, a few. Oh, yeah. She didn't know that at the time. Right. She didn't know that at the time. That's, she was but, just a kid. Yeah. Isn't that interesting, though? Just so interesting. That sort of thing. He he regularly when you have your list of greatest presidents all the time of all time, he's in the top 10. He's often in the top five. Um, if he were president today and got caught doing that, he would get run out of office and be a pariah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think putting him in the top five is just silly. Oh, it is. I think that's it baby is. boomer nostalgia. But but the whole Camelot um, thing included, you know, 
hitting on college girls and lying to them about how important they were to you so you could have sex with them. Yeah, he had a line outside the Oval Office. Bill just had uh, Monica. JFK had a line. Now, the the old gal, 83, uh, nearing the end of the race, uh, wanting everybody to know it. Is she just saying, hey, before I go, I want you to know, I hit that. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know that that's what her goal was. I I don't blame her. (laughs) How hot was I back in the day? JFK had to have me. (laughs) Of all the girls, he chose me, so just say it. There was no missile crisis when we were together, is all I'm saying. Mm. Excelsior! Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, we got we to take a break. So here's a chance to put this in here, because we've been talking a lot about a serious stuff, and for obvious reasons. I smell terrible today. Oh, my. And I'll tell you why. It's my shoes. I got some used shoes, as I often do, off of eBay. And they came yesterday. And uh, I didn't realize they smelled this bad till I got an aggressive work. scent. Oh boy! And I can smell them. They don't smell like the smell no- normally associated with shoes and feet. So that's good. They just smell like they've been in a box with like old stuff. They smell like stuff that's been in the garage for a couple of years. That's what they smell like. But it is quite powerful. Did you somehow get your end of the contract canceled and agreed to work for $9 an hour or what? <laughs> buy new shoes, you cheap bastard. I mean, I, even I buy new shoes. <laughs> yeah. Right, particular. got to take a break, but, stinky. Uh, yeah. So I'm just saying, put on the list with socks and underwear of things you don't buy used. Put on the list shoes, I guess. 